Hey guys, welcome to episode 24 of the George Jiu-Jitsu Podcast. I'm your host, G. Uh, today, we'll talk about bad blood in the UFC and some bad blood in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Um, originally, the first portion of this uh, podcast was uh, meant to be a short at the beginning of a, a preview episode for UFC 273. Um, of course, I didn't get around to making that podcast, so I had these old recordings from a, a few weeks ago that I had ready for that on Bad Blood in the UFC. And uh, since I never used them, I figured now is as good as time as any. And just add a little bit of information, you know, as far as like Bad Blood and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And, you know, this is one time that I'm going to leave my personal stories out of it. Because those are going to come around in my Jiu-Jitsu Journey um, episodes that are coming up. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Um, Like I've been saying a lot lately, um, if you have anything you'd like to hear me talk about, I'd love to hear it. And also, you know, support the podcast by sharing the episodes and putting it out there so more people can listen. While there have been fighters that play up fights to get the hype, you know, the shit talkers. There have been instances of real-life bad blood in the UFC. Uh, Before tomorrow night's fight between Aljamain Sterling and Peter Yan, the last one to have legitimate bad blood between two fighters, obviously, Colby Covington and George Masvidal. That fight was pretty one-sided, to say the least, ending with a Covington decision victory. The fight being over did nothing to settle the beef between those two as they brawled outside of a Miami steakhouse on the 21st of last month. A brawl that saw Masvidal charged with aggravated battery and criminal mischief, and I think he had like a $15,000 bond on that, and Covington left with a a broken or knocked out tooth. The reports vary. An abrasion on his wrist and damage to his wristwatch. A couple of years ago, the UFC posted a video titled Top 5, Bad Blood Fights. They posted this on uh, Facebook. Number five in that list was uh, Brock Lesnar versus Frank Mir. Number two, uh, Brock mauled Frank Mir in that fight. Um, it was pretty bad with uh, getting a, uh, a second round TKO. And a fun fact, myself and Frank Mir have a common emo- opponent in West Sims. West being 0-3 against between his fights between me and me, or yeah, me and Frank Mir. Um, their number four fight was Conor McGregor versus uh, Diaz, number two. Uh, McGregor won that fight by unanimous decision. In, in their first meeting, Diaz beat McGregor via rear naked choke in the second round. And I'm really not sure if this was truly a bad bud, blood fight or just two of the top talkers, you know, doing what they do to hype up a fight. So the UFC had John Jones versus Daniel Cormier in the number three spot on this list. And I'm going to go ahead and say this. They didn't even list it with numbers. They just did A, B, C, D, and E. So they just listed the five biggest bad blood fights that they had had when really, you know, they could have numbered it. And I kind of feel like it probably would have went about the way that it shows on their list. But, uh, you know, Jones beat Cormier via unanimous decision. Those two talked a ton, both before after the fight and did for years to come and Jones even I think he was a bit disrespectful to Cormier in the post fight um, 
time and, and even apologized because he said that he just did not like the guy. Um, number two in the UFC's list was uh, Ronda Rousey versus Misha Tate 2. Rousey won that fight in the third round via armbar. And while these two for sure had no love lost for one another, there was a ton of talk between them both before and after both of their fights. Ronda played the heel very well during her MMA career. And by heel, I'm, you know, I'm bringing out a, a WWE wrestling, pro wrestling term for the bad guy. And that's what she made herself out to be. Um, before we look at what the UFC thinks their number one bad blood fight was, this past week, current women's bantamweight champion Juliana Pena said Ronda Rousey ruined her legacy with her UFC exit. She is kind of a joke in the MMA world now, is what Pena said. And so far, outside of Khabib Nurmagomedov, no one has ever quit on top when it comes to the UFC. It's almost a given that even the best will begin to lose fights at the end of their run. Uh, Anderson Silva struggled to win fights at the end of his career, and it didn't tarnish his legacy. And the fact that she finished her, her career 12-2 and on a two-fight losing streak, so she was undefeated until her last two fights. Um, and, and those two fights were against Holly Holm and Amanda Nunes. I mean, that doesn't ruin her legacy. Honestly, every women's UFC fighter owes Ronda a debt of gratitude. Without her, I don't know that they, the UFC, ever would have promoted female fights. In January 2011, TMZ got Dana White on video being asked, when are we going to see women in the UFC? To which he replied, never. Sorry, guys. Dove off on a tangent there for a second. Now the fight the UFC has decided was their number one bad blood fight. Thankfully, they went old school and went with Liddell versus Ortiz too. Uh, those Their first fight had bad blood as well. They were former friends, former training partners, and this was way back before the UFC hit mainstream. You're looking 04. Their first fight, a knockout win by Chuck Liddell, um, actually happened before I started training by a few months, and that was in April of 2004. Uh, both of their fights in the UFC ended with Chuck winning via knockout punches. The first fight was in the second round, and the second fight, and the one on this list was actually in the third round. It's kind of funny how sometimes we, we think we remember things a certain way, and then they went totally different. And I could have swore and told you that both of these fights ended in the first round. Well, we knew that Chuck won. I thought that they didn't go out of the first in either fight. So it's kind of funny how that, that's how I remember them, but that's not what's in the record books. It's worth mentioning also that Liddell and Ortiz served as coaches for uh, the Ultimate Fighter Season 11, and they were supposed to uh, have a third fight. After the season was over, notice I said supposed to. In true TV fashion, at the end of the ninth episode, Liddell was pulled aside by Dana White, and he was informed that Ortiz had pulled out of their scheduled fight for UFC 115. Uh, Rich Franklin stepped in and finished the season, which was like one episode left, as coach, and also faced Chuck at UFC 115. Um, and that's a fight that Rich Franklin won via knockout punches. And uh, Rich did have his arm broke blocking a kick in that fight. And um, we were at a U we were not a UFC, but we were at a local MMA show in Cincinnati probably weeks after this fight. And Rich was there, and he had a pink cast on 
from where his arm was broke, blocking that kick. And uh, there was one signature on that cast, and that was Chuck Liddell's signature. Chuck and Tito were able to have their trilogy fight, though it happened years later and outside of the UFC. In November of 2018, they fought for uh, Golden Boy MMA. Uh, Tito won that fight via knockout punches in the first round. And it's worth noting that you know, uh, th that happened well after Chuck's chin was exposed against Rampage Jackson in May of 2007. Um, you know, that's right after his second victory over Tito. And he went 1-6 with all of his losses by KO or TKO in those fights. There are other instances of bad blood between fighters. Adesanya and Costa had issues. Covington and Usman had issues, though. Covington is a talker, and that's part of why he gets the fights he gets. And, you know, he, he talks his way into a lot of shit. And like with Masvidal, he was unable to talk his way out of it and got kind of jumped outside of the octagon. Um, Rashad Evans and Rampage, which both of them were talkers. Silva and Sonnen, Sonnen was a big talker. Bisbing and Dan Henderson, Bisbing's another big talker and others. And those were just the ones that were of note that I remembered off the top of my head that didn't get to be a part of the UFC's top five list that they made a couple years ago. In episode 10 of the George Jitsu podcast, I talked about trash talkers. And that was ahead of UFC 272, which was the main event was Covington versus Masvidal. If you notice, a lot of the bad blood fights just so happen to involve the talkers. Kind of makes sense. You know, the people that run their mouths tend to uh, end up having bad blood with their opponents. You know, I, I just, I guess, uh, you know, having a big mouth sells tickets, sells pay-per-views. And as long as that's the way that it is, it's going to give uh, at least a talking portion between the fighters. That almost WWE feel. Over the course of my career, I really didn't have a, a whole lot or any bad blood or shit talkers ahead of a fight, with one exception. Uh, right at 10 years ago, April 6, 2012, I fought Michael Oldson at Spartan Fighting Championship in Huntington, West Virginia. I took the fight on short notice. Um, almost immediately, Oldson was talking about retiring me and hurting me and crippling this old man that he was fighting. And I wouldn't have known anything about it. But people were screenshotting me the things he was saying and sending it to me on Facebook. I was like, dude, I don't even know this guy from anyone. But I, I, I won't get a lot more into this fight's uh, details as, you know, when I go over a miniseries on my fight career, it'll, it'll be gotten over. But I will say that Olsen did not retire me and he did not defeat me. Uh, while I understand that uh, bad blood and talk get the casual fan invested in a fight, uh, and it gets them to buy pay-per-views. I much rather fights, or much rather prefer fights between uh, you know guys that are mutual combatants who who want to truly see who is the better fighter on, on the particular day that they fight, and that's um, that's what I like. But I've been in this game for nearly two decades. I'd much rather just enjoy fights as they are, sport. So I've talked about bad blood in the UFC, and of course, it happens in mixed martial arts as a whole. Um, it also happens in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. It, it, it could be beef because, you know, an instructor poached students or someone talked about someone negatively or, you know, many, many more things. Uh, the most notable current, current 
Brazilian jiu-jitsu beef is between the current no-gi goat in most people's minds, Gordon Ryan, and former jiu-jitsu world champion Andre Galvao. Uh, Gordon has accused Andre of ducking him multiple times. Uh, they're both currently signed to 1FC, uh, where on 1FC's welcome post for Andre, Gordon put, Andre's been declining matches with me since 2016 in all different organizations. He can now add 1FC to his list. Crawface emoji, running man emoji, wind emoji. Um, early last year, Gordon Ryan slapped Andre twice at a Who's Number One event after Gordon had just beat Roberto Jimenez. Uh, in an interview with MMA Fighting, Gordon Ryan said this about the incident. I walked through the sheets, and Andre is sitting there almost like he's waiting for me. He started cursing at me, and this is weird because it's sort of off character for him because there's no cameras around, or he thought there wasn't. So he started calling me a bitch and a pussy, and I just started laughing. And then he started walking towards me, and he was like, why are you running away? So I was like, I can't get punk like this. <clears throat> So I turned and tell him I'm not running, and he kept walking up to me, and he pushed me. That's the most you can do before there's a fight, so I'm assuming there's going to be a fist fight. So let me start off this fist fight with a smack and see how he responds. I smacked him the first time, and there was no retaliation of any kind, so I knew this guy doesn't want to fight. Uh, the video of this incident is readily available on YouTube, and if you... If you somehow have never watched it. And I won't say much, uh, but neither of them got thrown off of their respective teams for this incident. Um, they are currently scheduled to be one of the super fights at the 2022 ADCC uh, Championships. Talking about bad blood in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu would not be complete without mentioning uh, the Gracie Challenge. The Gracie Challenge was an open invitation challenge match issued by members of the Gracie family representing their self-defense system of Gracie Jiu-Jitsu against challengers from other martial arts in a Valley Tudo match. That's a long definition found on Wikipedia for that. Uh, you can find old videos of these contests on YouTube. While it might not have been meant to have bad blood and just be a system versus system test, you know it went much further, especially if you've read Hicks and Gracie's book, Breathe, A Life in Flow, uh, which, by the way, is an incredible read if you haven't read it. But, um, you know, there there's some stories in there where, you know, he had challenge matches and then the people are at his academy waiting on him and things of that nature. And, of course, you know, the there's a lot of stories of bad blood between different academies in the um in Brazil where uh you know different academies would fight with one another whenever they met at tournaments or what have you or even in the street um and and you can find a lot of these things you know online if you do a little bit of digging and then there's been blab, bad blood within the Gracie family um, it goes as far back as with the original brothers. George Gracie and Carlos Gracie had beef essentially because George would cross-train at a time when it was very frowned upon. And, uh, you know, Carlos took exception to that. And he also claimed that Carlos took too big of a cut of his fight winnings whenever he was his manager. Um, 
George and uh, Elio had uh, some beef. That was mainly because Elio followed Carlos, and, and since George was a defection from the Gracie tradition, this put them at odds. A promoter once offered them to fight. George accepted. Elio declined. Uh, Carlos Gracie's children versus Elio Gracie's children. Carlos's kids have stated that Elio's kids uh, have, have not given Carlos's proper respect. They say that Elio is the source of jiu-jitsu, not Carlos. And, and you know, it, it's really all of the brothers were part of it. Orion versus uh, Carly Gracie. And they, basically they fought over trademarks for the family name uh, in the United States and who could teach using the name Gracie Jiu-Jitsu and Hoist versus Henner and hiring Gracie. And they 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 kind of had issue over the creation of Gracie University and the fact that Henner and Heron uh, believe that, you know, someone should be able to train remotely and still gain rank uh, in that way, while Hoist is much more traditional and believe that, you know, like all of us, that do train on the day-to-day in an academy, that is how you're going to get better and that's how you're going to get your rank. Well, that's about going to sum up what I wanted to go over today, guys. Um, as always, you can follow me on my various social media pages, facebook.com slash MMA, instagram.com slash geoilerbjj, geoilerbjj on TikTok. Uh, the page for the podcast on Facebook is facebook.com slash georgejitsu. And then, of course, my Academy's page on Facebook is facebook.com slash nrgbjj. Um, don't forget, you can always support all the things that I'm trying to do by buying a t-shirt off of uh, the George Jitsu page. Uh, you can also donate to my cash app which is dollar sign George Euler BJJ. And don't forget to share the podcast, like it, give it five-star reviews, guys. Help me get it out there and get it blowing up. Um, you know, I also, I hope everyone is doing things that make themselves 1% better today. And as always, that everyone is striving to be a better human. Until next time, peace.